We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. It's the True Faith at Newcastle United podcast. Alex Hurst, Norman Riley, Adam Woodrutten and Simon Campbell. And we're here to deconstruct and an- analyse Southampton, table top in Southampton 2, Newcastle United, weary, pathetic, listless, disorganised, unmotivated, all of the, the words, all of the adjectives, all of the, all of the negativity, Newcastle United nil, and uh, what was a terrible evening um, for Bruce's side on the south coast, live on Sky, and we're going we're gonna to obviously talk about the game today, we're going to get into it, but we're also going to talk bigger picture stuff, because... Once again, Newcastle United have played a league game uh, and have been absolutely like kind of dreadful to the extent where the opposition should have won five or six nil. I don't think that's unreasonable to say. And lads, I want to start off with a positive. I, I noticed when I missed a podcast a couple of weeks ago for the Wolves draw, Mickey wanted to start off on a positive, so I'll follow his lead. And, and the main positive for me, I don't know if you agree with me, Southampton were excellent. <laughs> Just want to get it off my chest. I think you have to give some credit. You do, you do have to give credit, and that doesn't excuse any of us, by the way, any of our performance. Southampton were really, really good. It's it's like Mike Bassett. It's three cheers for, three cheers for Ramirez. Um, well, yeah, I mean, I, I was saying in the, uh, um, the same for Southampton in the, in the preview pod on Patreon that you know Southampton were going to try and overload our defence with um, centrally in really dangerous areas like around the box, and I mean they're just such a well-drilled side. They all know what they're doing. It's, I'm really jealous of watching them and, and and teams like Wolves as well, where you, you and, and and you know Sheffield United last year, teams that you know what they're at least trying to do. Brighton this year as well, just you know teams that are kind of bigger than the sum of their parts because of who they've got in charge making those decisions and you know the overloading in dangerous areas was the key narrative uh, last night and 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 how we became unstuck and you know we could see it coming. And I and I really hope. I mean, could we see it coming, or did was was that just disregarded? What were we trying to do? I'm sure we'll get into that. But you know, Southampton are at the top of the league on merit because they they, they just executed a plan very very well, and they all know what they're doing, and they all play in the positions they're supposed to be playing in. So that counts for a lot, and it's I'm really envious watching them. That's the positives out of the way. <laughs> si, let's let's talk about Steve Bruce. Let's talk about his Newcastle side and what you think is acceptable and what's not. Because 
uh, you know, his, the people who are still in favour of him being the Cast United manager, and, and they do exist, definitely, uh, they would say that this is being a mid-table side. This is what it's like. You're, you're good some weeks, you're bad the next. Yes, the inconsistency is frustrating, but it's par for the course for being a side like we are. What would you say to that? Uh, me- me and Mickey got into this last night, uh, as in this whole debate of, well, we've been really good some weeks and, and really bad other weeks, and this whole Jekyll and Hyde kind of Newcastle United getting under Steve Bruce. And if you really look into it, it's it's hard to find the times when we've been good. I mean, even the Everton game, when we all agreed it was a much, much improved performance, on reflection, and especially after watching us revert to type, as we so spectacularly did last night, was Everton really that good? It was better... It was decent, and we were we deserved to win the game. Just, uh, and we just won the game. But really, if that's the best we've played all season, we're really bad. That's it's just. I think we've got accustomed to being really, really poor this season, and we've put in some really abhorrent performances. So that when you have a half decent one, and I would call Everton half decent, a seven out of ten. Suddenly, we're, we're talking that up like it's been like you know a, we've turned a corner and it was a really good performance. But actually, if you look back now. Uh, without kind of rose tint because we all wanted to be right, we all wanted to be good. So I think we gave the benefit of the doubt and said, actually, we have we have turned a corner here at Everton. And now, when you look back, I just don't agree that the good performances, the good performances this season, I'm using inverted commas, were that good. I think the the Southampton performance was far more stereotypical of how we've been, and the Everton was just we did all right, and the opposition was pretty poor that week, and that's all. Like we've just been crap all year. West Ham, Burnley, you're not having those two. Same. I, I think we played okay in those games, and on those occasions, both the oppositions were poor. West Ham were were terrible, and actually, they've they've, they've not been as bad as we thought this season so far. But they were they were awful against us, really awful, and and it was just it just felt easy. And yes, all right, some people might say you can't just take that away from the manager. He got it right, maybe he did, but I don't think we played excellent. I just think we played all right, and we were the better team on the day by being all right. Because at the end of the day, we have got good enough footballers to compete with these teams and sometimes I think Charlotte said it on um, on the, the pod last week it's just a case of he just throws players at the wall and sometimes it sticks and I don't think that there's any plan or that there's any kind of reason for those results other than some of the players had a good game that day and we got away with it and uh, Burnley the same and Burnley are in the relegation zone I think they've got one point it's not you can't call just, just sort of brushing past them in, a, in an alright result a good performance it was just okay Interesting point you make there in, in reference to what Charlotte said last week on the podcast about hiring a load of players in and hoping it works. Do you think, before we move on to Norman, about something else, I, stuff like Jacob Murphy at right wing-back, I think it got really, really badly exposed last night. In fact, three, playing three centre-backs yeah. full stop. You know, me and Norman did a State of Play podcast for Peyton, so we, we talked for an hour about, about Bruce and about the back three and, and, and how all that came together quite nicely against Everton. But Newcastle played it against Spurs this season were dreadful. They played it against Wolves and weren't very good and played it again last night. And, and all of that seems to be to try and become more defensively solid. And then you see games like last night, you see games like Spurs and we're anything. But do you, think, do you kind of think that Bruce <laughs> finds a solution and will allow it to peter out naturally before kind of... It's almost like lurching from system to system rather than there being any coherent plan and he's the one that keeps talking about people and we're going to talk about his quotes later because they were quite revealing after the game he's the one who keeps says that fans 
keyboard warriors aside, lads, put your keyboards down, stop using them as weapons. Um, he says it's only the keyboard warriors who can't see what we are trying to do. What do you think Steve Bruce is trying to do based on last night? Is that, is that a serious question? Yeah. I have absolutely <laughs> no no idea. I've got no idea what he's trying to do. That's the problem. And I think you're absolutely right. I think um, he it, it seemed to work last week. And there's reasons it did work last week. I thought that defensively we were better, but against a, an Everton side that was absolutely lacking its cutting edge. It had none of its key players. It had none of its flair players. And um, five at the back against a side that was lacked ideas worked because they couldn't break us down. Um, for all um, we talked about before this game that Danny Ings wasn't be there he's not Southampton's only player and it wasn't the same scenario so Walcott Adams and um, who scored the other goal Armstrong all had a field day because they just pressed high and it, it just I think you're absolutely right it exposed this formation for what it was which is basically you sit deep you sit deep but if a team's willing to push at you you're going to make mistakes in your own box you're going to make mistakes at the edge of your own area and it's just not sustainable, and if that is the plan, it is not sustainable against a side that's going to do that. I think it only works when you get that lucky week where you come up against a side missing four or five key players, and they're not really at the races. You get away with it, but otherwise, it's just it's just not going to work. And I think the the overall balance of the team just wasn't there at all. And which is, I think we argued that the balance was there against Everton, but I think you're right; it's been exposed. And this whole thing of actually, did we play that well against Everton or did they have a bad day? It just feels far more the latter because of what we've seen last night. Norman, uh, Lee Ryder tweeted last night, Lee Ryder of the Evening Chronicle, when NUFC are good, they are lucky. When they are bad, they are atrocious. Fair comment, question mark. It was a really popular tweet. There's some people in the comments below, I think, were trying to imply that, that Lee was suggesting that that's an unfair accusation to make. And it's basically what Sai's saying. Sai summed up that tweet for, for Lee there. When, we, when we're good and when we play well, and let's, you know, me, me and you normally did the podcast last week. There was, it was full of praise. Um, we've, we've recorded after Burnley, we've recorded after West Ham, and we've praised the team, we've praised the setup, we've praised the manager. Are fans, like I said at the start of the show, in danger of doing what Lee's potentially suggesting there and writing anything positive off his look and kind of nothing to do with the manager so giving him no credit and then every time the team are bad it's the worst thing in the world when when after all you could argue we've only gone and done what Everton did the week before at the side at the top of the league what, what, what what's your take on where Newcastle are right now in that context personally I feel that I react differently to Bruce performances than I have to let's say previous managers performances and it's because and I did a similar thing with, with McLaren. I did a similar thing with Pardew. I've, I've been reflecting on this the last week or so. And the reason is, is because I've got absolutely no belief in Bruce as I didn't have in those managers to, to progress the club, to give us what we wanted. So I think a lot of the, when we win, we're just lucky, is probably tied into my personal feelings on, on how I see you know, Steve Bruce at, at Newcastle United. This isn't a, a dig at Steve Bruce at all as a person, not, not, not that whatsoever. I'm just talking about my football club, Newcastle United, going forward, progressing and becoming an entity and inside that wants to do well. And I, I unfortunately don't believe that Bruce is the man to do that. So I'm probably, I'm going to admit it, I'm probably tainted a lot of the time when I try and analyse Newcastle games. However, from an objective perspective, when we are bad, we are absolutely abysmal. And last night was a case in point. To a certain extent, even last night, you look at the West Ham and the Spurs performances, where, again, we were atrocious, 
yeah, we got something. You know, last night was basically what probably should have happened at West uh, at Wolves and, and Tottenham had they had the rub of the green and had we not had lots of fortune, i.e. luck, we did. And that luck ran out last night. Um, the problem I've got is, is that on reflection, the media, let's say, and the club itself or the management of the club itself might come out and say that, you know, Wolves was a good performance because we got a point there. It wasn't. It wasn't a good performance at all. And if you keep performing that, like that, you are going to get slapped when, you're, when your luck runs out. And, and we got slapped last night. I think in terms of us being lucky when we win, that, that's harsh. It's, hard, it's not only harsh on the manager, it's harsh on the players. Because, you know, when the players are good, they can be, they can be very effective, let's say. Everton, um, I agree with exactly what Sai said there. You know, I'll refer to Everton where Bruce said, post-match last night, I know you're going to go in the comments, but he said, we were nowhere near where we were five days ago. We weren't that good against Everton. We had a really good spell for 15 minutes. That wasn't luck. That was the players playing well. Um, but in the context of the whole game, it was it was a fairly average performance. Um, but to say overall that we're just lucky when we win, I think that's probably more indicative of the fact that the fans, a lot of the fans, and anyways, especially a lot of the people that I know, um, don't see a really rosy future with Bruce in charge. So it's very easy to just say, you know what, we're terrible. And when we win, it's just luck because Bruce isn't the man to take before forward. I think maybe luck is probably the wrong word that we're using. I think we have to look at, say, and I hate to go dry, but I kind of think we need to go statistical probability. You look at the stats behind Bruce Ball, and I'm talking about last season as well, and this season, you know, you know, this season our defence has faced the most shots in total and the most shots on target, and we've made the most saves. That tells you that our defence is porous. Like, I think last night was a much true representation of of of. Steve Bruce's Newcastle United. I think last night was a performance. We, 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 it was the performance and we gained as many points um, as the statistics told us, you know, in terms of probability. The, you know, when when we win, despite, so let's, let's look at the Spurs game when we, we got a penalty the last minute and we nicked we, proper smash and grab draw. The statistics behind that Suggest that we were very we were we were lucky to get anything from that game because we we didn't trouble them at all for ninety two ninety three minutes in that match. So I think actually last night's performance <clears throat> more fairly reflected the statistics behind Bruce Ball, and it's 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 not just it's it's not just it, it, this is a pattern that's been going on for for on and on and on. This isn't just oh we played really badly last night, but usually we're we're quite good and we do this. We don't usually do the good things. I think we do the good things in spite of not being able to you know sorry we we we, we earn points in spite of not actually doing anything consistently meaningful in terms of wanting to take the game to the opponents, wanting to attack. You know the first few uh, games of this season. We couldn't get a shot on target. We we, we went. We got. A, we had a. We had a handful of shots on target in the first sort of three or four. Games. Like what? That's again. This isn't just. This is a pattern. This is this. This is a pattern. It's not just a one-off. These aren't anomalies, and the statistics will tell you that. And yeah, football isn't all statistics. But then the other side of it, when you're actually watching the game and you get a feel for it and you get a vibe about, well, can we nick something from this? Are we still in this game? Second half, we just. I just didn't. I didn't see how at all we were ever going to look to threaten them. We, we, we the, the game looked dead early second half, and I think, yeah, maybe luck is the wrong word, but 
if you look at statistical probability, we keep playing like this. We're not going to earn the points. We are going to keep conceding, and it's going to be dire to watch as well. I'm not. I'm not keen to just write off the word luck. I, I know what you're saying, Adam. Not every single victory and every point we've earned this season has been lucky, but we we have been really lucky. And it's maybe not the victories against, uh, say, West Ham and, and Burnley. They were we were the better side in, in a poor football match. Everton. I think we were lucky. We were lucky to play Everton with with four key players missing. I think we we're lucky to be given a, a a soft, easy penalty that basically you know tipped the game in its head. But up to that point, it could have gone either way. Um, the the games where we have been extremely lucky, Spurs away, Wolves away, you know, to to get points, um, and we've been, you know, we've been lucky elsewhere. And I think that the um, <laughs> the, the League Cup games have been quite lucky. Um, I think what uh, we're getting at here, though, is that we have this kind of contrast between a, a a group of players and a manager, where we we still somehow keep ourselves in these games. And I think uh, we, we talk a lot about uh, the the team not having an identity under Bruce. I don't think it's that. I think we do have an identity. Newcastle has, has built this identity over the last three, four years. We've got a team of, of really hard workers who, in spite of tactics that clearly aren't working in some games, we keep ourselves in the match and we, we, we somehow pluck results out of nowhere. And I think that is reflection on the players far more so than the manager when we get those results. And maybe that's not luck. Maybe that's just sheer determination. But um, yeah, I, 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 I think we have been really lucky. Yeah, it, it, it's getting to the stage where you're listening to media coverage of Newcastle and, and Kelly Cates last night for for Sky, and it's probably not her fault because she, she has to say something to try and keep um, neutral viewers interested. Because if you're watching that game as a neutral viewer, you're just thinking, Jesus Christ, these are shite. Um, we don't know how good Southampton are because we were so bad. And she goes, you know, one thing Newcastle do have the ability to do is, is hang in there. And it's like, she was, she was presenting that as a positive, like, oh, you know, they do. And it's like, so what you're saying, Kelly, is that the thing that we, that sets us apart as a side is we have the ability to concede lots of shots, lots of chances, but still be in the game on about 60 minutes. Like, that's it. That's, that, that is what we are. That's what neutrals know us as. The tea, and, and I wrote this in the match poll for True Faith last night. Like, how, how would a, a fan of another team think about Newcastle like you think oh Newcastle at home get in we're going to have 70% of the ball we're going to have at least 15 chances but we still might not win because we are whether you know use whatever words you want look or you know whether it's by design but it, it, it's getting to the stage now and, and Dubravka had this last season as well where Carl Darlow was being both blamed for goals and as our man of the match it's just this weird kind of <laughs> contrast where, and to be fair, you know what, I, th- I don't blame him for that first goal. Um, I think, you know, if you're going to allow a player to volley the ball from seven yards out, chances are it'll go in um, in the Premier League. Uh, you know, and again at Wolves, he, you know, he, put, he pulls off probably the save of the season there when he tips on, he tips um, the, the lad who shot from outside the box is shot onto the crossbar. He's pulled off two unbelievable point blank saves. He saved the one on one. Like not if any of those we say this every other week at the minute, if any of those chances had gone in, you don't blame the keeper. And this is this is where I want to take it and I'll open it to anyone who fastest finger first here who wants the pleasure of analysing some of Steve Bruce's comments last night to try and give us and you people listening, this is why we do it. We're not just trying to pick on him, but we're trying to kind of find a way into what goes on behind closed doors because there's so like little transparency beyond there's a project or a plan and it's going to take time. Um, you know, he says 
Steve Bruce says last night, the best team won. We didn't get anywhere near where we were five days ago, as Norman said. Uh, we didn't look after the ball enough and we gifted them two goals. Uh, we didn't handle the full press. We gave the ball away too often. We knew what to expect from them, the full press, and unfortunately we couldn't play through it. Uh, he was also then incredibly revealing when he was asked by the Sky Sports um, news person, you know, did you want to see a reaction at half time? What did you say to the players to get that reaction? He came out, you know, Bruce said very, very honestly, to be fair, uh, the first 15 minutes after half time were our worst of the game, which is very honest of him to basically say that whatever he said didn't work. Um, I don't know which one of you wants to take this, but my concern is here. It's too easy to consistently talk away to talk about giving away goals at this level. So that's number one. Because why do we? You know, it isn't. It's almost like this objective thing that no one can affect. Why do we give away poor goals? Has it got anything to do with anything other than individual errors? Because I would argue, lads, that playing Miguel Almiron in a deeper role where he's going to have to protect the back five. <laughs> Seems ridiculous sentence. We would have thought we'd be saying that when he signed. Um, like, it's going to lead to trouble, okay? Now, he talks about the high press, and he talks about not being able to play through it. In the same interview, talks about giving away the ball consistently. The, the two the two are linked. We give the ball away because of the high press, but he doesn't seem to make that link, Adam. Yeah, it's it's really strange, and it's it's it's... it's Glad he brought up Miggy Almiron because obviously you know he lost possession deep um, for the for the first goal, um, but it's funny because he was in the same part of the pitch where um, against Everton he produced one of the best counter attacking moves that we've made all season. Like he broke free from that left back role up to Wilson, and Wilson fed Sam Maximum and saved in the end. But Miggy Almiron out of that out of that midfield trio of Hendrick, Longstaff, and Miggy Almiron, Miggy Almiron is our most creative out of those three. And he's our biggest tackler by, you know, by about, by about five times five or times four based on, from the other, from the other players, uh, Hendrick and Longstaff. So you've kind of got a player who, what, why is our most creative midfielder having to kind of having to take on responsibility for protecting, like you say, that back five, which is why I couldn't understand why Hayden wasn't in there as one of our best tacklers. And, you know, if, if he knew about the high press, then why are we, why are we not playing midfielders? Because, for example, Jeff Hendrick doesn't necessarily have the best pass completion uh, statistics on average. So why aren't we having somebody in there who is more comfortable on the ball, who is a lot more sensible of the ball, and just it just isn't more comfortable. If if we, if if our only route is to pass through them, which it isn't because we, we 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 can lob balls up to to, to Callum Wilson. I, I, I just I don't I don't understand why if he knew that he chose those players to play in those particular positions. I I personally don't understand that. It's 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 really strange, and yet we're relying on one of our most creative players to be to be like the N'Golo Kante of, of, of the side to sort of to sort of break up play when he shouldn't really be we're not using his talent in the best way I think the concern for me with the comments after the game are that they're all comments that make you think well you knew this from the sixth minute when they scored it was quite obvious it was quite obvious in the first few minutes of the game what was happening and Bruce himself has acknowledged post-match, you know, we weren't aggressive enough. Um, we gave away the goals too cheaply. 
you have to be good with the ball and make sure you look after it better than we did. Um, for six minutes in, we gifted them the first goal, and it was a difficult night all around. It's like, yeah, but it was only six minutes in. Surely, you know, you've got enough time to make the necessary changes. I mean, in-game, I mean, that, that six minutes in last night, it was quite obvious what was going on, and then in-game decisions, bang, could have, it could have happened. So everything we're referring to about players being played in, in the wrong position or players um, not doing what they should be doing, that that can be affected. Now, to get in at half-time, 1-0 down, incredibly lucky, okay, you could see, you know, that there was a good chance for Longstaff, wasn't there? Um, that, that header he had. I think that was a... Was that at 1-0, the Longstaff yeah, header? It was, yeah. I can't recall. But... Um, we actually had the great fortune of getting in at half-time, only 1-0 down. And we've been 1-0 down since the six minutes, and nothing had changed. We conceded that goal in six minutes, and for the rest of the half, 40 minutes, they played exactly the same, we played exactly the same. There weren't any changes made whatsoever. Get in at half-time, still 1-0 down. That's your tight. All right, then, look, look, look at this gigantic slice of fortune we've had. Right, this is what's going on. And Bruce, after the match, is actually acknowledging what's going on. But... He got in at half-time and surely after the 40 minutes of this happening, he, he knew that was the pattern. Yet, we come out for the second half and for the first 50 minutes, it's the worst we play. And you're thinking, I, I, I don't understand like, this, this reflection at the end of the game. Why isn't that actually happening during the game? And if it is happening during the game, surely that's the time to make the changes. I think that's, that's what scares me is that we're very much... We played well last week this way. So this week, we're going to play in the same way and regardless of what happens during the game, we're not actually going to do anything about it. What will happen is at the end of the game, we'll reflect and then we'll make change of tactics for the next game. It's like, no, no, you can't actually make changes during the game. You don't have to just stick rigidly to the, the system that won you the last game. And if it doesn't work for the entirety of the, the following game, then change it again for the next game. You know, make in-game changes. That's, that's my concern. I think that's been a concern I've had since Bruce took over is that uh, what it looks like to me is there is a lack of capacity amongst Bruce and the coaching staff to make those in-game changes. And 1-0 down at half-time yesterday, after conceding six minutes, we could have actually done a hell of a lot better than we did. And that, that was a, that's a, a worrying thing for me. As we go a goal down and we look like, well, we look lost. And the thing is, if, if playing out isn't working, which it clearly wasn't, and we were being overloaded and Southampton knew exactly what they were doing, because they do it all the time. <laughs> that's, just, that's what they do. They, they force defensive errors. So if that's not working, then you've got to think, well... How can we play counter-attack? So what have you got? You've got probably your most talented winger that we've had at the club for, for years. Proper winger. And he's playing centrally. When Southampton are in possession and in our half, where's the space? Okay? Their only width comes from their wing-backs. So Ginebra was playing instead of Bertrand, but, but Kyle Walker-Peters on the other side. So their wing-backs act, act as their wingers because they're, they're, they're forward their forward players come centrally to overload in front of the box. So we didn't have a counter-attack outlet because San Maximan was playing centrally, which is where all their defenders were. We need... The space was on the wings. So we, we had to play out because we didn't have that outlet because San Maximan was already crowded. He was in the most crowded part of their, <laughs> of their half um, because that's where their, 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 their centre-backs are. That's where Stevens is. That's where Bednarek is. That's where um, uh, the the other guy, the, the Scandinavian guy, um, Vestergaard. Vestergaard. Sorry, thank you. Yeah. Um, but when you when you're playing someone like Sam Maximan out of position, and I don't care if he wants to play there because ultimately, if it's not helping the team and we're not getting the best of his talent centrally, why are we persisting with that? Why why is Bruce bowing to that? Like the the bigger picture is against Southampton. 
We needed threats on the wings forward to be able to hurt them on the counter-attack. But by playing Sam Axman centrally, you're nullifying one of our best counter-attacking weapons. And they had it easy. And we couldn't get the ball to him because they've got just massive lads at the back who are going to ju- out-jump Sam Axman every single time. Instead, why didn't he switch it up? And, and, and actually, he did seem to swap Miggy and Sam Axman in the second half. He, seemed, he, 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 pushed, he pushed Sam Axman out to the left eventually. But it just kind of felt like it was like too little, too late, and it was just a bit. Just felt like whimsical. But like you, you're absolutely bang on, Norman. He doesn't make reactive changes within the game, and I think that's what sets him apart from some of these more progressive. I'm not going to say elite coaches because a lot of them are just like learning the trade and and making a name for themselves. But God, they're streets ahead, aren't they? It's it's terrifying. Yeah, I think uh, the. Maximan one wasn't it was so plain to see for all of us during that game in particular. I mean, we've talked about it for weeks, but in this one in particular, he was just hovering around the centre circle and so easily marked out the game. And like you say, Adam, when we're picking the ball up so deep and seven of our players are basically in or around the box, you need Maximan on one wing and you need Almiron on the other. He's also out of position in this kind of central midfield. He shouldn't be there. He should be a running outlet. He should be someone to play the ball to and as you say if him and Maximan are giving us some width they're not going to Southampton not going to be able to crowd them out on both sides of the pitch so there's always going to be a bit more of an option but we were so narrow and because uh, in, they were pressers, we didn't have wing backs we had full backs and Lewis and Murphy were behind the centre halves most of the time um, with, with Lascelles playing hospital balls either way like three yards just the, the whole thing was a disaster and um, like you say there was no there was no option to not play it out, and then we made the mistakes while playing it out in the ridiculous positions we were in. Um, I also, I, I, I don't know what Jeff Hendrick is offering us. Of all the centre midfielders to play whilst doing all of that, I don't see why Hendrick is the one who's in the middle. He's not an outlet either. He's not good enough on the ball, so he also gets lost. And the, the whole thing was just a shambles, man. I, I, I'm, I was. <laughs> I said in my match special that it was nice to play the match on a Friday night and get it out of the way so you can enjoy the weekend, but I'm still annoyed today because it's ruined the weekend. You're only annoyed because you started recording this podcast. You'd actually buried that performance. You're right. You're right. This. So blame, blame the Truth podcast. A couple of quick things. Um, one more on the comments. So we're talking about tactics here and how the performance panned out last night. And one of Bruce's comments was, there's a few shirts available, a few places up for grabs. That is shifting the emphasis of the poor performance onto the players. It's like saying, if you don't perform well enough in the shirt, then I'm going to drop you. But ultimately, as I said, from six minutes in last night, I mean, from the first few minutes, you could tell, but we conceded after six minutes. Yes, the players do have responsibility. Yes, the players could, you know, air quotes, put more effort in. Um, but ultimately, Bruce had so many opportunities to change things last night, and he didn't. And to then turn around and say, I'm going to change this by, you know, telling players that the places are uh, vulnerable because they played so poorly, it just smacks of, of excuse-making. That, that opportunity to change things last night was in, in his hands. So let's just say, for example, we are struggling after six minutes and Bruce does something there and then to change the system. And all of a sudden, we start looking a little bit better, but the players just slack off in any ways. And then you can say, ah, oh, you know what it was? Actually, that was the players. That was totally on the players last night. But it wasn't because the problems were quite obvious and no changes were attempted. So to just say I'm going to drop a few players or to insinuate that, I think is a it's an easy way out and it kind of favours Curry with with journalists and fans as well, doesn't it? Um, but the other thing quickly is that 
at the end of the game, I genuinely didn't understand what that formation was. It didn't look like a formation. It just looked like 10 players on the pitch. Yes, uh, I, I totally agree. And we've we got quite a few uh, tweets in for this show at, at TFNUFC. You know, several people, uh, Ben, um, Rafa Facts, uh, lots of others saying, you know, this this five at the back. And I only have to go back to like last season, in the end of last season during lockdown, when, when Bruce was almost like laughing off any tactical criticism. He would laugh when asked the question. He would be like, tactics. And, you know, people are saying, how, is it possible for us to be a decent side playing this formation, the Steve Bruce? Because to be fair to Bruce, he changed it and I praised him relentlessly because we were so bad with five at the back last season. And as, as soon as we had, have the odd bad game, um, it's like this comfort blanket which he returns to. And it's so far removed from his bullshit about project fucking better football or whatever he calls it, or projects don't be shite, you know, projects score more goals. It's so, like, it's just the absolute opposite, playing like we saw last night and playing like we saw against Wolves and against Spurs and against Liverpool at the end of last season, against Brighton at the end of last season, and all these games. Do any of you think that playing this formation is 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 remotely going to result in any of those admittedly false titled projects that are that I've suggested there? I kind of, to, to be honest, I, I kind of think the formation, it, it, it's neither here or there as long as you've got the right players playing in the right positions with roles that they understand. I, like, you know, I think the problem with, I think the problem with us at the moment, and I'm going to go back, to, I'm going to, I'm going to say the, I'm going to say the R word. I'm going to say the Rafa word. We oh, played a whole I season. With, Go on, Rafa. Sorry. <laughs> we played a whole season with four at the back under Rafa. Then the next season, he didn't sit on that four, four, two, three, one formation. He changed it based on the players that he had available. He adapted his tactics to the players that we had because he understood that players playing in. He basically didn't believe in playing as much as he could, playing square pegs and round holes. I don't think Bruce is the complete antithesis of that. He, Bruce has a formation mind and he will squeeze and bend and contort his players into, into that shape. Even though that, that shape is, doesn't necess, it's not necessarily very effective. We just maybe didn't lose one time. And it's just like, right, I've, I've, I've cracked it, lads. And he will, con- so suddenly like, you know, Jacob Murphy's had a couple of really good games, but like in the space of two weeks, He's become a, 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 our first choice right back, <laughs> which is like if you think about it, and how many right backs we've actually got at the club, that's mental. Um, we're playing, we're, we're playing Sam Maximan up front. Like it, things. Just, it, it's just, it's just weird. Like we, we aren't, we aren't basing our formation or strategy based on the players we have and their and their respective strengths. It's Bruce has made a decision based on maybe science, maybe gut feeling. Who knows? I don't think anybody does. I don't think he does. And it is just like a, right, see what see what you can do. Whereas the, the previous manager tried to shape and mould his decisions based on what he knew his players could do and where they could play. And he, and you know, the fact that he, he got it right the first full season in the Premier League, he didn't sit on that 
he made a, he made a very very risky and bold choice to try and change formation, and it and that eventually worked as well because he had a plan and he knows how to drill players. So I don't I don't care if we play five at the back. I don't care if we play four at the back. Just play the players that we have in their most optimal positions and their most optimal roles, and maybe we might get some chemistry going. Is that is that too hard? To, is that too much to ask for? Yeah, I agree. I think. What what's definitely been lacking in in almost or in every game in the last not even the season the the back end of last season as well is the the lack of any kind of preparation for the opposition because you're right it's not all about just choose a formation and and that's your best formation to get your players in it's, different things are going to work against different sides and like acknowledging that they knew uh, Southampton were going to press and then still playing a formation that by definition has you hemmed in your own box doesn't just didn't make any sense but. Also, we've already talked about it, the outlets. So, we we talked after the the pod last. I mean, the other the, the other thing that really annoys me about Steve Bruce is the is the Sunday League mentality of right. We won last week, so same eleven lads, same eleven. That already rules out the fact that he's prepared or thought about this game might not go the same way. I mean, did he watch the first half last week? It didn't work. It was rubbish. So, what? Why? On what basis has he gone for? We'll just do the same again, lads. Didn't make any sense. But. Um, we did talk about last week. What could work is in is if you're going to have five at the back and play this deep role, is having that front three that we had under the R word Benitez with uh, with Rondon Perez and Almiron. We've almost got that in in Almiron Wilson and Maximan. And if you can get those three playing in a proper proper structured team, it would it might work with with the with the deeper defense. But instead, this kind of I, I don't even know where Almiron's playing. Is he is he in midfield? Is he on the left wing? I don't know. Like, he's, he's like, I think he's left of a central three. Maybe just, maybe push yeah. slightly. You know. It's just a waste of our most creative player. Um, and yeah, I I agree. It's not about like, he doesn't need to rule out five at the back or four at the back. He needs to show evidence that, right, this is the formation I've chosen for this game. And this is why. And we should be able to see as supporters or as even as neutrals that, or I can see what he was trying to do there. But how many weeks are you sitting there after 90 minutes thinking, what the hell are we trying to do there? Like it, that's what's missing. Funny sound in our word Benitez, but uh, I'll give you it. Um, <laughs> one of the things that that friend of the show and friend of all Newcastle fans, hugely popular man uh, Luke Edwards, said last night is that you knew after five minutes that we were going to be dreadful. And one of my concerns with that is shouldn't be like that. And, and it goes back to what you said, Norman. And I'll use the um, the, uh, the the B word, Rafa. Um, like just just to pick a just to pick a random game, you know, we were two 0 down at home to Everton in March nineteen, playing five two three or five four one, two 0 down at half time, um, changed to four four two, won the game, and obviously you make that change and you, and you get beat four 0 or you get beat two 0 or two one and no one no one pick you know brings it up that that's the art of management, isn't it? And it's like you know. <laughs> Rafa Benitez making his famous change in the 2000, 2005 Champions League final. And I know I know we're getting a little bit silly here, but if Steve Bruce is in charge then, it would just be more the same. Go on, lads, get back into it. And Charlotte, again, on our WhatsApp group last night, and, and I think you were saying, Si, that like, Bruce's commentary, it is almost a commentary from the sidelines when he's trying to communicate players. It's just, Miggy, Miggy, Miggy. Miggy, Sean, Sean, Sean. It's like I I haven't done a UEFA 
coaching license, but I assume there is a chapter on saying players' names over and over again from the side. And like, I don't know if you say it six times, there's some sort of code that the opposition don't know what it means. Because if you say it six times, I want you to press uh, four and a half times. If I say it four and then turn away, I want you to float the next corner in or something like that. Or maybe he's just trying to shout at the players and and is unable to communicate his message as eloquently as he'd like. I don't know. And that's the thing. You're always kind of assuming the worst and. I don't think that it's unreasonable as Newcastle fans to think that because, you know, we'll talk about this season. Let's let's just take this season. I can think of, like, genuinely dreadful performances against Blackburn, Brighton, Spurs, Newport. <laughs> Always laugh at that one. Newport, um, Man United and Wolves. And that's, 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 a, that's a fair old body of work to analyse, isn't it? And... <laughs> And like you said earlier in the show, Sai, um, you know, the, 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 there was some good performance and Newcastle played all right against Burnley and, and, and Burnley was kind of the last game that was very comfortable. Everton was comfortable in the end. But I, I, I'm starting to feel sorry and, I, and I, I, I hate myself for doing it because I've criticised people who say, oh, I feel sorry for Joe Linton. Like, the, people have said that because he's shite and like, oh, I feel sorry for him. It's like, bloke's a millionaire who shit at his job. I don't feel sorry for him. But what I do feel sorry for him now is he played all right, just okay, all right against Burnley, playing behind Callum Wilson, and hasn't kicked a ball there since. Like, how is how is that? You know, there's this kind of, I wouldn't call it a conspiracy theory, but there is a theory that <laughs> that Bruce is good for Joe Linton because he's, you know, puts his arm around him, keeps him in the team, calls him Big Joe, and, like, you know, he's, like, one of the lads. <laughs> and... But, but how 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 damaging how damaging must it be to Joe Litton to play a position he wants to play, play okay, play well. I, I, he didn't play well, but just for this argument, play well. And then what? When did we play? Was it the um, start of October that game? So like literally a month later to to to, to have played him on the right of meal midfield since, but a position he's never played in his career. Like that that take away the results, take away Southampton. That in itself is a to me, being serious for a second, that's a really worrying way to treat a player who who's at rock bottom or has been at rock bottom at Newcastle. Like what must he think? This this nonsense you heard on I mean the commentary last night was something else, and I get it because the lads on commentary they've probably travelled across the country, you had to go through all sort of security and COVID protocols, and then you you comment fucking Newcastle again who are shite, and you've got to try and make an interest in as they get battered by the opposition. But one of the lads saying, um, you know, that's why he doesn't play Almiron because he because he potentially gives the ball away in the edge of the box. They shouldn't be on the edge of the box, man. He's fucking number ten. Or or like attacking winger. Um, you know, that when, when Southampton's second goal went in, the commentator basically cheered like as much as, as I did when, when the fifth went in against Sunderland in 2010 he on did. level seven. It was, it was incredible he because it's probably just like, so, it's like so wrong that that a Premier League team continues to put out sides like we do and performances like we do and not, and not get the kind of five, six, seven goal hammering that we deserve. Like I kind of, Understand, understand the frustration. And Magnus Muller on Twitter said, "Is is one of the only positive things about last night." Like he's right. Um, are you a bit happy that none of us travelled to watch that game? And that's the kind of thing at the moment. Like we all miss football massively. But Jesus Christ, if I'd been in the, in the away ends at Spurs and Wolves, and then last night, it would have been a walkout early job because because it was just so bad. And 
out of hand 32 asks and again i'll open this to the floor lads any of you um rather than doing what, what keyboard warrior stuff as steve bruce says we do even though this is a podcast but we all use a keyboard sorry steve um like what you know adam i'll start with you like if you're steve bruce next game chelsea what do you do how do you fix this like i'll, I'll have a question i'll, I'll leave it to last oh, i think with chelsea first. obviously they're they're very mobile they're, they're they're very dangerous um Werner's very quick, so we're going to have to sit deep because we don't want him getting in behind. I think, I mean, I think just in general, maybe not, I think Chelsea's going to be a tough ask, and it would be for any manager uh, facing that, and any team facing that. But I think as a general rule, when you've got five at the back, you don't necessarily need three centre midfielders as well, because as as has already been mentioned um, by Si, I think, you know, you're playing a, a formation that is naturally it's it's going to push yourself deep and back and then you're, you're left with a couple two isolated players up top i think we need to get closer we, we we've been missing some wing play um massively this season like we we have a really good crop of wingers and we're not utilizing almost any of them in a wing none of them in a wing position going into everton i remember that you know they had both their first choice fullbacks out and you think well that, what an opportunity have a go at their second choices on the wing and we, we we didn't we didn't because our wing backs aren't wing backs they're, they're full backs because of how we, we we get we get pushed back. So for a start, we need outlets. We've talked about this before. I would have Sam Maximan on the left. I'd probably play Miguel Moron on the right. Wilson through the middle. Not necessarily have that number ten um, as a, as a front four against the better sides because you want more protection at the back. But I think five, you know, a bank of five at the back with actual wing-backs, you know. Um, and y- y- you have Hayden in there because you need the protection. And then, it, that, that for me, the, the, the worry is we play defensively, yet we have one of the shittest defences in the league still, even though we, 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 we bottom load our, our formation. With, so if we're playing loads, if, if we're sacrificing an attacker or two, for loads of defenders, yet we're still conceding like four against Man United, three against Brighton, and it could have been a lot more than two against Southampton. Like, I'd rather just go, I'd rather try and go for it. I'd rather have more more attackers on the pitch to give them a problem. And, and, and you know, like yesterday, were we supposed to be pressing them? Because when they had the ball in, in their defence, you had one player at a time, you had Wilson running around once at a time and then Miggy was because Miggy's so far deep, he's not he can't get you know where, where he's supposed to be playing, he's not close enough to push the defense. So it's like, and we've seen it before, Shelby will be running around and he's like looking around saying, Well, why isn't anyone else? So, like on the pressing side for us, is that something that we're supposed to be doing? Is it something that they felt instinctively that they probably should be doing, but they haven't been told to? Or is it kind of been a halfway opt-in thing from Brewster saying, Well, you know, lads, you know maybe try and press them if you get the chance like as, as a nice to have like what is it like and, it, and it, it's evident that our players don't understand if that's a thing or not because some of them are doing it some of them aren't doing it they're never doing it simultaneously it's never in sync so that doesn't feel like it's that should that is a proper you know objective that we're trying to achieve so i would i would play with wingers so we have more of an outlet and i would I, because because playing too cautious 
just invites so much uh, danger in itself. So there's a there's a balance to be struck. And at the minute, we're too we're too defensively heavy to to trouble them. And we're, if we're not troubling them in their defensive third, then they have that's just going to enable them to push more people forward because there's no threat. So they can it'll make it worse for us defensively if we're not as attacking as we should be. I think that it's got to the point now where it's almost there's almost no point in me hoping that possible tactical changes are or what you're talking about there, Adam, is going to happen. We've had this for like a season and a half now. Like, can we not just do this? Can we not see this happen? Can we not play players in the right positions? Can we not, you know, put Max Man on the left, like you say, instead of through the centre? I think let's let's just take the Chelsea game, for example, right? There are only two ways that we will come out of that game or something, in my opinion, based on the evidence I've seen in the last season and a half. Either gigantic slices of luck like we had against them at home last season. The fact that we got that win last season was, uh, again, you know, part of the common theme of us just getting results, like pulling results out of our backsides, basically. Um, there's that. Or there's the hope that one of the players will produce a, like, um, a Musa Sissoko type performance against Chelsea, like, like he did against Chelsea. A player will produce a one-off performance, i.e. Max Mann, who we know is our kind of ace in the hole when it comes to producing those performances. That will happen. I genuinely, I genuinely believe that regardless of what formation, I'm not even talking tactics here, I'm talking formation, is put up against Chelsea, it won't make any difference. It, it, it never seems to have actually made any difference. It seems to me that we get wins based on more or less two or three players playing decent during the game or slices of luck. So I'm going to say it. If we're talking about Bruce being a lucky manager, I don't think it's Bruce necessarily being a lucky manager. I think we've just had quite a bit of fortune and I don't think there's ever really been, probably, I'd probably think of three performances, Max, where actually the tactical input, the formation, have been the the reason that we've won the game. I think a lot of the time it's just been down to individual performances and the opposition not putting their chances away in general. Talking about individuals, we, 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 we've we've been baffled by Bruce's selections, by his formations, and everything else. But one thing we've we've talked about all year is like just get your best eleven players on the pitch, and I don't think he's done that yet. Uh, my my concern going into the national break is that um, uh, John Joe Shelby, being the the best best player in the world ever when he's not playing, his best performances come when he's out of the team because. There'll be there'll be loads of calls to get him straight back in, and that's the, that's the absolute wrong thing to do, in my opinion. But I I'm almost certain he'll he'll play in the Chelsea game. Um, get get what so Javi Mankio is our best right back. Where's he gone? Why we're we playing Jacob Murphy right back? Mankio's done nothing wrong. He, he he's our best right back. Shane Fernandez are our best centre halves. Play them together. What's the worst that could happen? They're good. They're good centre halves. Lewis picks himself. H- Hayden and Longstaff, assuming Longstaff is now fit, are our best centre midfielders. Play them in midfield. And Maximan and Almiron are our best wingers, attacking wingers. Play them in that position. If you do all of that, even if you have to rely on a bit of luck, you can't go wrong. It can't go that badly wrong if you've got your 11 best players playing in positions that they're comfortable. And I don't think we've done that this season. It's, it's, I, I feel like I'm oversimplifying it. But at this stage, I feel like it needs to happen. Back in March, uh, when we played Southampton, same opposition, uh, we played... Richie and some Maxi Man on the wings, Hayden and Shelby in the middle, Almiron in what I think is his best position behind the striker, yeah. uh, and Dwight Gale up front. Really? And where, although we did play against 10 men, we had three or four chances before that red card to take the lead. And, and it just looked so much more balanced. And it's, yes, not all of those players are available. However, 
<laughs> However, um, the, the fact that we, you know, the fact that Bruce has once again pressed the reset button on the whole tactical blueprint of his side um, suggests that he has no confidence. He has no confidence in the players. Uh, and, and really, one really interesting point before I get to some listener questions to finish off um, would be Alan Pardew was a pundit for Sky last night. He made a really interesting comment. I mean, it was nice for Pardew to see, um, you know, a bit of a, a tribute to some of his bad days at Southampton, two 4 0 defeats um, from the lads. They couldn't get the job quite done, but they did their best. Um, but, uh, <laughs> you know, Pardew, Pardew said something quite revealing, and I really hear, I haven't seen anyone pick him up yet. He said he, he doesn't think Newcastle have the strongest squad or the strongest team. And that, that's interesting to me because a lot of, and I'm not saying he's right, but a lot of what we see on social media and, and a lot of people I speak to and know, including, I think, either most of you lads or all of you lads, is that Steve Bruce has a team that is capable of much more than he produces with it. Um, Norman, wh- where do you stand on this one? Because because the, the longer it goes on and, and the more I look into it, We'll play a team like Southampton last night, and this is not you. You've all heard the podcast. You'll listen to podcasts. You know I'm not a Steve Bruce fan. However, I, I do think there is a little bit more given to the to this crop of players than they're probably due. I look at Southampton's side last night, and beyond St. Maximan, and I know Ings was injured, um, beyond St. Maximan, there aren't loads of lads, I think, of ours who Ralph Hostin was looking at thinking, you know what, I'd love you on my side. There, there really isn't. Um, and, and you know Everton the same last week uh, you know yeah, your, your bottom five Sheffield United Burnley your newly promoted sides I'll leave them separate but of, but of the rest yeah there's the odd player but, but I'm just thinking that perhaps maybe as fans and that doesn't excuse the absolute car crash that we've just spent the last um, let me see how long we've been going 52 minutes talking about far from it however I think I think there is a, there is something to be said that this is still a very limited squad particularly in central midfield Particularly at fullback, you could argue, even at centre back, um, and then you know beyond Callum Wilson up front, there's there's very little. You know, normal. What's your take on that? That's a good point, and it makes a lot of sense because I think one of the reasons that I've been dishing out praise to the to the squad is because I'm taking it in the context of the squads that we've had since we returned to the Premier League, and also you know you look at a couple of the squads that we had in Apadu as well, who are massively imbalanced. So in terms of Comparisons with, you know, the 17-18 squad, the 18-19 squad. 18-19 squad, yes, we had Rondon in there, we had Perez, but I'm talking about, you know, we, we do seem to have more quality players right now. I think this, I think if Rafa had this particular squad, it would be the best squad that he had, if you see what I mean. So I think that that's yeah. that kind of skews how we feel about it. But obviously, you know, you do make a comparison with, with Southampton last night and you think, well, Ings and Chi Adams up front, Callum Wilson, would he be... You know, would he be the first choice partner for Ings, or would would it still be would it still be Adams? Let's say um, Stuart Armstrong. Could you make an argument that actually, as good as Maximan is, Armstrong might be uh, a player who gives them more in a different way? I don't know. Um, centre halves. I think I, I actually think Ferry Fernandez is a really good centre half, and he could probably get in that Southampton side ahead of someone like let's say like Jack Stevens, for example. But you're right. I mean, they're not. You know, our squad isn't necessarily as good as Southampton's, but I don't think it's that far off it in terms of ability. You know, you think we do have players like Ryan Fraser on the bench, and we do have somebody like Miguel Almiron. Fair enough, in centre midfield, Romeo and Ward Prowse are way better. But, you know, that that's just comparing it with one team. You, you look across, let's say, the, the, the traditional like sort of bottom half, 
bottom 12 teams in the Premier League. The, 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 the way I look at it is, is it okay, we mightn't be as good as these other teams are on balance, but we've still got a nucleus of good players there, and with the right coaching and the right management, they could do a lot better. I think that's the problem. I, I, I don't think the squad is, is world-beaten, but I think it's good enough to do a lot better than it is. And, that, and that's where that's where I struggle. Yes, Southampton do have a better team and squad than us, but I still think we can be a lot closer to them in how we perform this season if we've got better coaching in place. I, 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 I sort of agree and I sort of don't agree, Norman, because I've been saying this since the, the transfer window when everyone was bigging up how, how good a business we'd done. And, and I, I was just... I was underwhelmed, and I get that Callum Wilson is is the best forward signing we've made in years, but that doesn't say much. And um, I'll, I will go back to what I said at the time, which was none of the top ten teams would have taken any of these players that we've bought. We've bought players from a relegated side. We've bought Jeff Hendrick on a free, and I'm still yet to see what he's bringing. Um, you know, it's just I think all we've done is get ourselves back in contention with that kind of bottom eight, bottom nine teams um, by by bringing in these players. What I would say, though, is that on 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 balance, especially this season, if you look at the league table, it's it's more like a bottom 14. Like, anyone out of those teams can beat each other. And like you say, with the right coaching and the right um, planning for each game, you can be the best of that rest with the squad we've got. So I think that's what you're saying. I don't think we've got better players than, you know, than anyone around us, really. Maybe, maybe the bottom three, but... I don't think we've got a brilliant squad, but I think we've got enough in there to, to do just as well as anyone else. And given the way the league is this season, this could have been in the air and it won't be because of because of the way things are. But I, I think what's more worrying is that when we when we lose games last night, like last night, I don't think it was because Southampton were massively superior in terms of their playing personnel. They just got it right and we got it so dramatically wrong. I don't think you could argue that they were just much, much better than us man for man. They weren't. And most of the games we've lost this season weren't like that. Man U is probably the exception. They have got better players and we were terrible, but they, they punished us by just being better. Um, other than that, generally speaking, the games we've lost have more just been because we were we didn't get it right and it's not because we're inferior. I just think the Premier League's a lot closer than it was, maybe. Um, so it's a bit of both. We have got a better squad than we have had, but I also think that's down to the 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 massaging of our expectations that's taken place over the last 10 years and that takes me back to to the um, the point I made at the start of the show, the the expectations of each performance. So where the Everton game suddenly became this this brilliant performance at Newcastle of, of being class, they weren't. This is just how far down our expectations have been managed to the point where a, de- a decent average performance is a, a brilliant performance, decent average signings are brilliant signings, and a decent average squad is a is a really good squad. None of these things are true. It's just where we are mentally. I think it all, again, comes down to the coaching and the philosophy and the vision. And it's less about the personnel, but it's about the personnel knowing their roles in a wider system. And this is what we don't have that most of the Premier League clubs do have. You look at a couple of years ago when Rafa Benitez was getting, we, we were top eight defence, two years running. Two years running with the players that we had. Other Premier League managers wouldn't be looking at our team now and saying, oh, I wish I had him. Because guess what? None of our players are actually playing or excelling in a particular system. So how would they even know if they fit into our system if they're not even playing into any discernible system or philosophy right now? You're telling me that a couple of years ago, other Premier League clubs weren't looking at Dubravka, Cher, and Lejeune 
all signed for about a combined £15 million and looking over and just saying, Jesus, they're good for 15 million quid and they've got one of the best, they've got almost the best defence outside the top six with these guys and they've spent 15, you're telling me people wouldn't have been envious of that and, and having, having a look at those players. Now they wouldn't touch them, nobody would touch us because none of our players are excelling because none of them are playing in a very good, in any discernible uh, uh, tactic or style. So nobody's actually playing as well as they can do because the whole team isn't and the, and the and the coach isn't getting the best out of them so at the minute no no i don't i don't think anybody i don't think these our lads could get into other sides but when we're playing well in a system that works and it's clear that everyone can see what what what's been you know what what we're trying to do damn right people would want to be looking at Hayden and thinking yeah i love him in my side and you know <laughs> it's just about where we are at now we don't play well these Norman. players, therefore, don't play well, and so nobody's going to be looking at them. Just to back up what Adam said there, you know, you think of the end of that 2017-18 season, Jamal Lascelles was being linked, linked with moves to Chelsea. That's how good our defensive performances were. And you can bring it into the team now. You look at Callum Wilson a couple of seasons ago when Eddie Howe was doing a decent job at Bournemouth. Wilson was being linked with £60 million moves to, to Spurs and to Leicester. So, yes, we can say that the squad isn't particularly good, but those players are definitely capable of a lot more with the right coaching. If Jamal Lascelles at the end of 2018 is being talked up as possibly getting into Gareth Southgate's squad, if John Joe Shelby is, then something must be happening on the training ground to to make them look better than what they are, if right now they're not that good. You know, it's, it's, it's a bit of both. The players will perform a lot better when they're being coached properly. And the... Um, the manager, the coaches themselves will get a lot more of the players if they're good coaches. That's it's you know it is a kind of it's a balancing act. It's none of the players, none of the players are naturally fantastically world class, but dear me, I think they've got a lot more in them than they're, than they're showing at the moment, and I don't necessarily think that that's their fault or it's because they've got a lack of ability. We're going to finish off uh, with some listener questions. Thanks to everybody who who tweeted in at TFNUFC. Uh, lads, because we've been going for over an hour, I thought we might struggle to get half an hour done today. But such is Newcastle's terribleness that we've uh, we've got a lot of content out of this one. Uh, I'll just go to one of you for each of these answers and try and keep them quite brief, okay? Um, Norman, I'll start with you. Uh, there's a few people asked this. Anyway, Steve asked it as well. Um, if you if you want to sack Bruce, who would you like to realistically get the job? Great question. I think Eddie Howe available, and despite how it went from a Bournemouth last season and to a certain extent the season before, I still think there's a very good manager in there, and I do like the fact that he has a bit of a philosophy. I think he would be a realistic target. Um, I would like us to kind of cast our net a bit wider. You know, you, you look at, I've mentioned this before, and I know Brighton aren't going great guns this season, but I do like how Graham Potter has a, a philosophy. It's something I could buy into. Um, that would be my, they would be my idea. The, the guy at Brentford, I think, is a very good manager. He also has a really good way of playing, so there's a, there's a few names, but uh, to think of specifically on the spot who I'd want, it's it's a tough one. Majestic Pillow Sai asks, what sort of project did Bruce sell ASM to sign a new contract? <laughs> there's no project. He's not. He's, he's basically told him uh, either you'll excel here and here's here's a nice big pay rise, or. Uh, you'll get a big move if you if you have a half decent season. So I don't think there's much to do. It's just the, he, he's trying to tie him down. But ASM will know that if it doesn't go the way he wants it to, he'll just be away on a on a big money move because he's he's good enough to get that big money move. So he's not sold him any kind of project. There's no way ASM is under the impression that we're 
heading north towards European football, the way things are going, and yeah. Uh, that, that makes me question what what ASM thinks he's well, doing. Well, I, 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 I want to burst that bubble, and I think the the idea of uh, Maximin signing a contract because he was sold a vision or a project <laughs> probably wasn't as convincing as you know that job you already do. Here's some more money for doing the same job. Um, that probably swung it. Uh, Adam uh, from Craig Thompson, what kind of dinosaur is Brucesaurus? I think he'll be um, heavy, um, <laughs> heavy carnivore. Heavy asaurus. Um, very small brain. Um, <laughs> Christ! No, a lot of dinosaurs had very small brains <laughs> if they didn't need to use them, and he's clearly not, you know, not, not requiring it. Um, just like you know, like elephants' feet. <laughs> <laughs> he'd be one of them. He'd be sort of like a like a brach- elephant. Yeah, like, he'd be like a like a brachiosaur or something like that. He'd just be, he'd just be cumbers- so he'd be a cumbersome, cumbersome, yeah, cumbersome, no grace. Um, but but adversely, he'd be he'd be, he'd be very very carnivorous. Right. Yeah. Very okay. Thanks for that. That's a hard question. It was. Thanks. I'm sorry about the answer. <laughs> And yet, yet, none of these lads have seen these questions. Um, Shock. Tony Henderson asked Norman, uh, why was Lejeune shipped out on loan? It doesn't make any sense. Do you agree? I was going to mention Lejeune before. You know, when you're talking about um, players being played out of position or not having the confidence of them, I think Sai mentioned Mankiewicz. You mentioned Joe Linton being played out of position after he's actually played okay, okay in um, a, more, a position more suited to him. I look at how Isaac Hayden's all of a sudden seemingly disappeared from the picture. Um, and Lejeune, if you think back to last Christmas, Lejeune had had these horrific injuries, had two horrific, horrific injuries. Harry Kane, you bastard. Um, he really, you could argue, was our best defender under Rafa when he when he was fitting in the side. He's an excellent player. He, he's gone to Spain and already he's, he's doing really well at Alaves. He had a fantastic game against Barcelona the other day. Um, he was brought back last year and basically made it play three games in eight days after this horrific injury. And of course, he was mat- he wasn't match fit and he played terribly. And I think Bruce just hasn't taken to him. I think there's, I think Bruce has a vision of what a centre half should be, and Lejeune does not play into that vision, and therefore he was shipped out. And it's really sad because he is an excellent player with the right coaching. However, you know, even if he'd stayed, I think under the current coaching staff, I think he would have, he, he wouldn't even have been there. A shadow of the player that he was, he probably would have, probably been detrimental to the side in many respects. Sai so, uh, Duncan Isaac asks, "Whose dog has Isaac Hayden run over?" <laughs> um, I I said this last week, um, or uh, on the on one of the patron shows. I think that his comments to the Athletic may have been taken a bit too personally by Steve Bruce. I I can't explain it otherwise. So is he is he getting has he been reprimanded for? basically admitting to the world that Newcastle down tools on 40 points at the end of last season, which everyone saw happen. And uh, maybe Bruce has taken exception to that. And yeah, there, there is also uh, none of us. The, the, the worrying thing about it is, is that we can all believe that he is petty enough to choose his own signings over Benitez's signings. So there is that as well. Duffer asks Adam, um, does Steve Bruce live in a similar reality to Donald Trump? Why am I getting all the abstract ones? I mean, <laughs> I, I think in one respect, um, Steve Bruce does seem delusional, delusional about what he's watching and what everyone else sees. So I can probably draw comparisons there. I'm not going to be drawn into 
what Bruce's politics are, the fact that he's a Bruce isn't a sociopath or megalomaniac or a, just a downright dangerous individual. So no, like Bruce is a, a he's a much 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 nicer guy, I'm sure. But de, the delusional in terms of their their day jobs. Uh, I'll take this question. There's a question from John Innsworth saying, is relegation necessarily a bad thing if it results in the takeover happening uh, because they could pass the EFL owners and directors test, especially they claimed there would still be interest if the club were relegated. Um, John, I think relegation is already, all, always uh, like a huge gamble on the future of Newcastle United. Um, the Premier League, I think, said that anyone who gets promoted, the new owners have to take the Premier League owners, owners and directors test anyway. Folk knows what they do, whether they'd not let them be promoted or not. I don't know. But I just would rather they got their, their house in order and did what they had to do to pass the test and the, the team get relegated to facilitate such a thing. And in addition, uh, Mike Ashley, if we get relegated, is is not going to sell the club because, you know... The tantalising prospect of getting of, of hoying a little bit of money at the club to get promoted again and it be worth ten times what it is in the championship uh, will always always be there. And I think, lads, there's loads more questions to get through. I didn't expect so many, um, so I really appreciate everybody who got to them. Um, we will we will do this before future podcasts as well. Uh, we've done ages. We've done. <laughs> We've done an hour and an hour and ten minutes nearly. So Norman, Adam, and Sai, thanks very much, everyone who's been listening. Tremendous, thank you. If you've been watching on YouTube, thanks for watching. Uh, we'll try and bring all of the free podcasts in the future um, on YouTube as well through this format. Uh, we, of course, are on our Patreon platform for the foreseeable future. That's next two weeks before there's a game. We'll be speaking to Keith Gillespie and Andy Griffin for their thoughts on the shambles. Andy Griffin, in particular, probably won't hold back. He doesn't tend to. Uh, we'll have loads more podcasts on patreon we'll have a few podcasts coming out on this free platform as well over the next couple of weeks stuff that we've pre-recorded so thanks for listening thanks for being with true faith we'll speak to you all very soon cheers whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.